back to the Single Parent Conflict Podcast. Why conflict? Are there conflicts to being a single parent? Well, in a way, there are many conflicts. We all feel guilty when it comes to the day-to-day interactions that affect our children. My name is Demetrius. This is part two, the continuation to our first episode where we focus on the conflicts of single mothers. We'll hear more from our guest, Frances, who gives her opinion on a few questions given from parents just like you. Wherever you're listening to the Single Parent Conflict Podcast, please like, subscribe if you can, and share this with other parents. This is from Brian. My 14-year-old son closes his door and has a password on his devices. Should I put a camera in his room? Well, Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember my son when he was 14 years old. And um, at that time, he didn't have a lock on his door. Having passwords on devices, we all have passwords on our devices. So I think that that's fine. Uh, also, him having a lock on his door that's fine too, because he's at that age where he needs that privacy. So that's okay. As long as you're able to knock on that door, if you have a concern or anything and him be able to open the door for you, um, then that would be okay as well. Now, if there's something else going on other than the lock on the door and the passwords on his devices, then that would be a different question, of course. Okay. What do you feel about not having a lock on his door? Did you have a lock on your door when you were younger? Well, um, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. But my mom was definitely of another generation. Yeah. So privacy wasn't a thing in my house, not even with her. So basically, if she didn't have privacy, we didn't have privacy. That's the way it went. Right. What about your son? Um, Like I said, my son, well, did I say that? My son had his own room, of course, for a very long time. And um, he didn't have a lock on his door for the majority of his life. But once he hit that wonderful age of 14, I learned to knock on his door as a respectable (laughs) parent should, (laughs) because you don't never want to be on the other side of that door caught with your pants down, you know, especially a teenage, a teenager period, whether it's a young boy or a young girl or anything for that matter. Um, Yeah, you got to give them that privacy. They, They deserve at least some privacy. So, right. No, it sounds like some balance there, right? Yeah, you have to have that kind of balance because, you know, they're at that wonderful age where they're discovering their bodies, their hormones are changing, and there's nothing wrong with that. Whatever they do, and, and like like with anything, whatever you do behind closed doors, you know, is, is okay as long as it's legal. <laughs> so I should avoid just storming in my son's room. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Because what it does is it, it creates something. It creates a, a sense of of a lack of trust okay, because it makes them feel like, wait a minute, what's going on? Right. You know, what, startles them. <laughs> what, about, what about the passwords to the, so well, I don't know, it's not social media. Since Jordan is, has a password on his devices. I think the password part we is all. okay. Right. But then I think since he's 14, uh, I don't think, I think that should like, okay. Parents should maybe have the passwords. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I created my daughter's password, yeah. my youngest daughter's password. And when I want to get into any of her devices, she has the same password I created for her when she was like 13 or 14 years old. So so, so I think you agree with me, too, because it's like, it's you could have your password. That's fine. Yeah, have your password. I'm not going to, you know, jump on the phones, but 
if you know stuff hits the fan, it's like, all right, well, now we need to kind of look, yeah, you know, them, but yeah, have that privacy though, have that privacy, have that trust, and also your child needs to trust you as well. Not that you're going to be constantly, how would you feel if somebody's constantly looking through your stuff, second, you know, guessing everything you do? Um, I had a situation when I was really young and, um, a, a young boy that I was supposedly dating, I was really young. Um, said something to me in a le- nice little letter and it had to do with a kiss. But my mother found the letter and took it completely out of context. She didn't know English that well, so she didn't know what to think. She took it to work. And of course, you know, making out when I was growing up, making out was a French kiss. But where the person she asked said, oh no, that's having sex, which making out could be you yeah, know, a little more than yeah, a little more than a kiss. But oh my goodness, the look on her face and the disgust in mine because I had no attention to that. You know, because so. she, she couldn't Google uh, French kissing. Back there was then, no Google back yeah, then. Exactly. <laughs> Next question. So uh, my kid is concerned about me smoking. How do I assure them that I'll be fine? Well, there's no way of assuring anybody that you'll be fine with or without smoking coming from a parent that smoked for many years and had all three of her children constantly tell her, ooh, you stink like cigarettes or, and I didn't smoke that much. And don't smoke in the car, don't smoke in the house, don't smoke, period. It's like you hear all these don'ts, don'ts, don'ts when you're tired of hearing don'ts throughout your entire childhood into a young adulthood. And then finally you get that freedom to be able to maybe have a beer or have a cigarette or smoke a cigar. It, it's it's something. It, it it does something to a person. It's like, wait a minute, I got yelled at my entire life as a kid. Now I'm getting yelled at as an adult as well for doing something that I choose to do with my own money that I work for. You know, it, it, it was it was annoying, but I know that in the long run they were doing it because they were concerned about my health. Yes. That's and important. I eventually stopped smoking because of my health and I wanted to maintain it at least a little bit. So yeah, for those people out there that have their children, um, tell them not to smoke. We all know that cigarette smoke is not good for us. You know, whether it's directly us doing the, you know, the smoking or if it's secondhand smoke, we already know. We've known this for like over 50 years at this point. So there's no excuse. So as a, as a mother who formerly smoked, now not smoking, any tips on stopping? Well, it, you just have to do it. It's it's not like, oh, it's easy. It's not easy. But you have to make that choice. This is not like you were born smoking. You know, it's not like stopping a certain particular food or stopping to drink water. It's not, you know, it's not like you have to do it. Cigarettes is something that you don't have to do. I know that nicotine, the cravings and the addictions are strong, very strong, much more than a lot of other things out there. But, um... I did it because my grandson was coming to visit me for the first time and he was only months old. And I said, I am not going to have anybody smoking in this house. I am not going to be smoking and holding him in my arms. I'm not doing that. So because I didn't do that to my own kids, I wasn't going to do that to my grandkid. And after two weeks of that, I said, well, if I could be two weeks without smoking, I'm not going to smoke ever again. And don't get me wrong. I had stopped smoking many, many years before that, two years in a row, because I ended up getting bronchitis once. And I said, oh, no, this is going to be easy. Lo and behold, I ended up smoking for another 10, 15 years after that. Every once in a while, when springtime comes and I just want that glass of coffee, that cup of coffee with a cigarette or I'm driving in my car on the highway and I just want to light that cigarette, you know, it happens. 
even eight, nine years later, it still happens. So it's not an easy thing to do, but you just got to do it. That's the only way. And then uh, this that question was from Micah, M-I-K-A, I believe here. And uh, so that part of how do I assure them I'll be fine? I guess that's you can't. Guess we're saying, uh, hey, it's you're not going to be fine. It's not possible. You don't want to lie to your kids, right? But that's for people that smoke that don't have issues. Right. right. Yeah, but you can't assure your kid you're going to be fine, like I said before, yeah. whether you smoke or not. Because you don't know what tomorrow may bring. You don't know what the oh, next five seconds so will bring. So you're separating it from just smoking versus in general. In general. Yeah. You don't make unrealistic uh, promises that you can't keep. All right. Well, last question. Looks like this is brought for um, Valerie. My foreign boyfriend says it is I and he who are the team, uh, not children. He tells me not to go to my two-and-a-half-year-old girl when she starts crying. What shall I do? Now, the question with that is, that that's a deep one, yeah. because there's just a lot of unknowns in that question right there. First of all, it's his girlfriend, he says. Is that his child? That, that It doesn't say. Right. Okay. A two-and-a-half-year-old, did you say? Yep, two-and-a-half-year-old girl when she starts crying. All right. Well, two-and-a-half-year-old, you have to pay attention to. Okay, regardless. So, if it becomes a situation, you know, you have to make a choice. Now, what if this is, uh, maybe this is their kid. It doesn't sound like it's their kid. What if it is their kid? Because what, the, what is that? Uh, I forget. But, you know, when you have certain parents that are, oh, I got to get it. My kid's crying. Got to go. Kid's crying. Got to go. But then there's other parents that are like, hey, well, we have to wean them off of us. How are they going to learn that it's okay? You can cry, but then kind of cry themselves to sleep. That kind of training. Yeah. Like, what, how do you feel about it, that? It's hard because with all three of my kids, I had that mentality. If they're crying, it's because they're uncomfortable, they're in pain, something's going on. Because I always put my foot in, my foot, my goodness, my myself in their shoes. Do I just cry just to cry? I know I'm not a baby, but I know that we don't, as people, we've been on this earth a lot longer than the babies have. And there are days that we just don't feel good. There are times where there's no logical explanation why we're just down in the dumps. And sometimes babies feel that. And what's going on with the parents also? Because sometimes those negative vibes, whatever's going on with the parents can rub off on the kids and they feel that. So there could be many reasons why, you know, a child or a baby be crying. But I always paid attention to my kids. Always. I never left them crying. You know, it was always a conversation, even if it was something simple. You know, I understand how you feel. But you shouldn't cry over that. Right. Well, I know that with my son, uh, he used to love his, what do you call it? There's 80 million words from their, their Bobo, their Banky, their Pacifier. And then when he got older and he had teeth, you know, it was told, I think the dentist said, hey, you know what? He can't have that anymore. He can't sleep with that anymore. If he would start crying, I was like, oh, let me just give that to him. You know, please stop crying. Relax. But then he had to stop and he used to go to sleep with those things. And then it came to a point where it was like, well, no, you can't sleep with this anymore. It's going to cause problems with your teeth. Um, not telling him that because he doesn't understand that. <laughs> but in my head, that's what I'm saying. And then he would cry. And then it's like, you know, what do you do? I think I was one of those that were like, okay, sure, maybe cry yourself to sleep maybe a little bit. I don't know if that's good or bad. But, um, you know, there were times where I would, you know, come see if he's okay when he was just, you know, crying. And sooner or later, he got used to it. Now, again, I don't know if that's that's good or bad or not, but it just kind of 
putting, you know, shoe on another foot because, you know, your way is good too. I don't know if my way was good or not, but that's something that I did do. But that was for a different reason. And um, also, I was his parent. I wasn't having somebody else coming in saying, hey, you shouldn't do that to your child. So I think that the big thing with that question is, right. is that person, the foreign boyfriend, also the father or is this somebody coming in saying hey you shouldn't do that because maybe in their country they don't do that maybe in there and that could be difficult so um i mean i think there's two ways to go about it but i also i think we both think that you know if this person isn't the child's father maybe just take that with a grain of salt because you're ultimately the parent so Right, right. Yeah. And there's decisions that need to be made at that point, of course. Uh, truthfully, like if it was with the binky, like you said, I had to do that. You know, my daughter was two when I took it away from her. She was two, a little more than two. And my son was a little after he was one. Why? Because they kept on popping them. Popping them? What do you mean popping? <laughs> they popping the binkies because they oh. didn't like the ones that were good for them. Okay. They liked the ones that were really cheap from the dollar store. So popping like breaking them? Yeah, they had air inside. And what would they do with the- uh, They would, would pull they chew, it. Pull it off and chew it? And chew on it and pop them. And um, it got to a point where it was fun for them to do that. I guess they it itched their gums. itched so bad that they were using it to like rub themselves with it. But um, at that point, I was like, listen, I've got a million dollars. I'm not going to keep buying them for you to keep popping them. So it's time to go. Um, Same thing with the bottle. But that was harder to take away. That was harder to take away um, the bottle because then now I had two kids, two children or babies that were born back to back about 15 months apart. And I had to make sure that, you know, if I took it away from one, I had to take it away from the other one. Because then it would be a problem, and I didn't want any more problems. So, yeah, um, it is always a challenge when it comes to things like that. But, you know, we ourselves don't always feel the best. And when when you have a baby, when you have a child and a toddler, they see you as their everything. So if they can't come to you for consolation, you know, to wipe their tears and make them feel better, who can they go to? That's it. So. I wouldn't be listening to somebody. I wouldn't be listening to somebody, especially if it's not their child's father, especially if they don't have children either. You know, it's a lot, I, of, lot yeah. of what ifs. Here yeah, in that it is a lot of what ifs with that question, and also, you know, hey, people have opinions. You know how I feel about opinions. Everybody has them. You just feel the way. I think a lot of people feel that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They all stink. Okay. That's what I say. <laughs> I want to thank Francis again for sharing her opinions on the show. If you liked anything about this podcast, please. Like, subscribe if you can, and share this episode with other parents that you know. And we'll be back with another episode here on the Single Parents Conflict Podcast. Podcast.